Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. Bonjour everyone, this is Melody with French-Canadian News. I have new blog posts as well as some updates as we enter the fall season, so let's get into it. We'll start with two new posts by Patrick Lacroix on his blog, Query the Past. First, check out New York State, Elements of Historical Geography. New York State is often left out of the Franco-American story, so check out this post that goes over census numbers of French-Canadian communities in New York State during the 19th and 20th centuries. And then check out Chalifou, Part 1, The Franco-American Rockefeller. Many French-Canadian immigrants were at the bottom of the economic ladder when they entered the United States, but that doesn't mean that their descendants were unsuccessful in their new home. Read up on the story of Joseph L. Chalifou, the first Franco-American millionaire. Next up, we have an article from Juliana LaRue titled, Franco-American Day in Maine Celebrated in Augusta. From the article, House of Representatives Speaker Ryan Fecto welcomed international dignitaries and 12 new Franco-American Hall of Fame inductees at official bilingual ceremonies held on Tuesday, September 7, 2021 in the State House. The occasion was heralded as Franco-American Day in Maine. We have a reminder from the Franco-American programs at UMaine about an important event to celebrate the life of Grégoire Shabbat. Reminder and call for help. We are organizing an event to celebrate Greg Shabbat's creativity for November 5th. If you are touched by Greg and his work, we invite you to join us. We are pulling together video testimonies to make a video montage, and several people are planning on performing excerpts of his writings. We welcome any artistic tribute. Contact Susan Panette or Lisa Desjardins Michaud for more information. The largest Putin event in the U.S. roared back this past Saturday, selling hundreds of tickets throughout the day. New Hampshire Putin Fest had to take a different approach last year, conducting a roadshow event rather than a large gathering. But this year, it's back with a spooky twist for the fall season. Attendees are encouraged to wear Halloween costumes as they return to sample various Putin by local vendors and declare one the winner with a championship belt. The New Hampshire Putin Fest Spooktacular will occur on the grounds of Anheuser-Busch in Merrimack on October 23rd, and we're so excited for its return. Wrapping up this news segment, check out this reaction to the film Le Carrefour. The FCL crew was joined by two special guests, historian Patrick Lacroix and Daniel Morrow of Dawson, as we all watched the film together virtually and then gave our immediate thoughts afterward. Find out what we had to say in this video and then check out this informative film by Jessamine Irwin and Daniel Quintanilla about the Francophone community in Lewiston, Maine. Next week, we're honored to have the creators of a fantastic podcast out of the Franco-American collection at the University of Southern Maine's Lewiston-Auburn called Franco-American Pathways. It's a podcast dedicated to celebrating the history and culture of the Franco-Americans of Maine. Jesse will talk to Julia Rhinelander, Anna Ferti, and Maureen Perry about how they came up with this amazing podcast. They also give some behind-the-scenes info about each episode. We hope you'll check out Franco-American Pathways on the last Thursday of every month. That's all I've got for you this time. Everything I've covered today will be linked in the French Canadian Legacy podcast episode description. Merci for listening. So is it, if it's all right, I'd like to ask a couple bonus questions. The one thing, first I have to ask, uh, because I am a, an enormous Giants history nerd, and the last two books I have read were both on the French and Indian War. I find the entire Seven Years' War incredibly fascinating, and I absolutely probably bore to death everybody I give my Quebec City tour to you because I talk about it endlessly during the during our tour. I mentioned all of this because Anna, I saw you worked at Fort Ticonderoga, so I need to get that story. How did that happen? What did you do there? 
because that sounds like an amazing place to work. I can't even imagine how cool that must be. Absolutely. Um, it is a fantastic place to work. I recommend that everyone apply for everything there always, anytime they're hiring. I was, the first time I worked there, I was there as a graduate fellow in the summer of 2017. So basically I was looking for an, a summer internship that would give me housing. <laughs> and that is something very rare, as I'm sure you all know, but the fort has that because the fort has many on-site houses um, that were built throughout the years after by the people who made the fort into a museum. Uh, I was really intrigued by that. And then one of the positions that they were advertising was actually to, um, to work on an archival collection from the 19, from the 19th century. And I was very interested in that because that's more uh, the period that I am most interested in, in history. But I had to know in the interview, why does an 18th century fort have a 19th century collection? Well, it's a part of the collection that belonged to the family, the Pells, who made the fort into a museum. Um, so that is how I ended up there. I ended up there working on a uh, comp something completely separate from the French <laughs> and Indian War or from the American Revolution. But in being there during that time over the summer, I learned a lot about... Um, both uh, the the Pell family who made um, the fort into the museum and also about the years that the fort was active. And this has led to me ha later on taking a uh, short-term grant position there as a prince cataloger where I um, cataloged um, old etchings um, and other prints to do with the fort and to do with the Revolutionary War in particular. Um, and I also go back frequently for reenactments because I do now reenact um, typically, mm -hmm. typically revolutionary, but also French and Indian. And it's very fun. And it's something that I never would have, I think, had the courage to do if I hadn't worked there. And it is, it's so fun. If any listeners get a chance to visit, I highly recommend it. It's a great place to go. Now, I'm curious, just quick follow about this reenacted thing. I did some Civil War reenacting in high school, but I haven't done any of that since. So what, what is, what group are you hooked up with? Because I find this world to be interesting myself. So it is, it's really interesting. I actually don't have any affiliations right now, basically. Oh, freelance. Freelance <laughs> yeah, um, everyone asks me, like, when, whenever I go to a reenactment, um, like, oh, like, what unit are you from? And I always say, I just reenact here at the fort because, because they lend me clothes. I'd like to go elsewhere, um, but I don't have any of my own uh, historical kit yet. So... Um, that is an endeavor that I would like to undertake, um, but I haven't done it yet. You have to let me know. That sounds cool. Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive
Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fclpodcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode.